Welcome to Scanners Call. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur call sign is W2LIE, and this podcast is always here to help you learn more about the scanner radio hobby. Today, we're talking with Chris Gilmore from the Changing World Project, and this interview is going to be a great one. So buckle up and enjoy the ride on this one. But before we get started with today's interview, I want to remind you all again, as usual, that Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, again, East Coast Pagers is one of my couple of online companies. So if you haven't heard already, Unication did come out with a brand new pager, the G2 and the G3. And the G2s, G3s, G4s, and G5s are going to go up by $50 a week uh, from today when I'm recording it, actually. So March 31st, the price of these pages are going up. If you're interested in a G2 or G3, contact me right away, phil at scannerschool.com or phil at eastcoastpagers.com. And I'll take your deposit to lock you in on the pricing on the G2s and G3s before the price goes up on April 1st. This is not an April Fool's joke. This is the real deal. Again, if you also want a G4, a G5, we can place those orders for you immediately before the price goes up on April 1st. So again, we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the U.S. market. If you're interested in a brand new fire pager, please contact us at eastcoastpagers.com eastcoastpagers.com. Now, again, all links and session notes, and especially one very special link can be found on our website at scannerschool.com slash session 66. You want to know what that link is? Stand by and we'll tell you. Welcome to the Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. So again, welcome back to Scanner School. This podcast is always here to teach you everything you need to know about the scanner radio hobby. Today, we are talking with Chris Gilmore. Now, Chris Gilmore is an expert when it comes to emergency preparedness. And today is a great time to talk about safety of your family and being prepared. Now, not only is Chris an urban and wildlife survival skills expert, but he also works and trains many government agencies as a professional emergency preparedness consultant. So today we hear how Chris uses radios uh, and communications when he teaches agencies how to operate in an emergency situation and how you can also do the same. But not only that, Chris will teach us what we can do if we are cut off from the grid and how we can be completely prepared in as little as a week. Again, he can teach us and he will teach us how to prepare ourselves in as little as one week. So if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that I like to bridge the gap between communications and emergency preparedness. So on session 19, we talked about weather alert monitoring and weather alert radios. And in that session, I pretty much said that they should be thought of as a key life-saving device in your home or in your business. So right next to where you have your fire extinguisher and your carbon monoxide detector, right up there on the priority list, you should also have a weather alert radio. And again, you can go back and listen to that episode at scannerschool.com slash session 19. And on session 39, we also talked about easy emergency battery backups that you can put in place so that you always have a secondary power source for when the lights go out and you want to keep your ears on what's going on on the radio, or even just so you can have you know, something else running in the back, like a low-power lamp or something like that to keep you going. So no matter when you listen to this podcast, Mother Nature is always coming up with a way to change 
and challenge you with the weather. Now, from tornadoes in the spring, especially if you live in the Midwest U.S., hurricanes or cyclones in the summer and fall, blizzards in the winter, or if you live along a fault line, you always have to worry about the possibility of an earthquake, maybe even tsunamis. I know there's also issues depending where you live too, mudslides and, and you know flooding and whatever else, right? Mother Nature is always willing to give you a curveball and to test your skills. So no matter where you live and no matter what time of the year this is, you have to keep this in the back of your mind because one day you might need to survive the storm. So here is Chris Gilmore from the Changing World Project on how to survive the storms. All right, Chris, thank you very much for joining us today on Scanner School. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for great. having me on. So Chris, before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my background is actually in the outdoors. So I was a wilderness guide for about 12 years, you know, doing backcountry canoe trips, hiking, uh, dog sled guided trips. And in that time, I got really into wilderness survival and ecology, and that led me to actually teaching wilderness survival for about eight years. And in my time in the backcountry, I was always really drawn to the uh, the risk management side of it. Uh, you know, what do you do when things come up and you're not able to depend on our modern day emergency services for help? Uh, so that inevitably led towards me going back to school to study modern day emergency management, disaster preparedness, uh, and led into me doing some consulting work in that. So I've done some work with municipalities. I've worked with private business, uh, helping them on disaster plans, helping them do emergency exercises like running exercise drills and mock scenarios. And then I also have a real passionate for anything around self-reliance, do it yourself, you know, so I live on a kind of a modern day homestead where we grow food and um, I'm into martial arts, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I guess the last piece I'll share there is so all of this, these multiple different worlds I've brought together into my website and blog, which I call Changing World. Uh, the website is changingworldproject.com, uh, where I kind of take, you know, my background in the wilderness and the outdoors uh, with modern day emergency preparedness and try and create this kind of holistic skill set around self-reliance. Excellent. So you're kind of like a, a jack of all trades, it sounds like, when it comes to uh, being able to survive on your own and uh, make sure that, you know, you're prepared, for, at least for yourself and your family, and you do a pretty good job of teaching other people on how to do that. Um, you said you do consulting in a lot of municipalities. Is that what you do now full time? Is is you work for uh, an agency uh, running uh, disaster recovery? No, that's actually just a small part of what I do. So I work as a, a subcontractor actually for a larger organization that does work all across the country with all different levels, and they pull me in as kind of like a subject expert uh, for particular jobs. Usually it's doing the, the scenario stuff because I really love doing the, the disaster mock scenarios. So that's just one small component of what I do. Uh, education is actually my background. So I actually do more of like the wilderness survival, uh, outdoor ecology education, that kind of stuff. I teach part-time at a college. Yeah, so explain uh, a little bit what is wilderness survival? Sure. Wilderness survival is about self-reliance. So being able to go out into the woods and just take care of all your basic needs, shelter, water, fire, food, uh, and ideally to be able to do it in a way where you're actually comfortable. So I find they're really, really great skill sets to have from an emergency perspective, but it's also really, really fun and it teaches us a lot as well. And I find a lot of the principles of wilderness survival are actually um, usable even in our modern world, in our modern context. Uh, for example, you know, I take people out in the woods and teach them if you were lost and had to spend the night in the woods and it was minus 20, you didn't have a sleeping bag, how would you build a shelter to keep you warm? Uh, but we could take those same principles and we could actually apply that to your home. So imagine you live downtown New York 
uh, and we have a major power outage and it's the middle of the winter time, uh, power is going to be out for 10 days and it drops below zero inside of your apartment. Well, you could take those same principles of building a shelter in the woods and you could do it with mattresses and pillows and stuffed animals inside of your home. Uh, I've actually got a video on my YouTube channel where I show people how to do that. So, yeah, there's a little bit of a, an intro to what the wilderness survival is all about. That's actually pretty interesting because we we did a couple of years back. We had a blackout here on Long Island. It took it was like in the whole northeast, right? So it was at least it was August, and uh, we were without power for a couple of days. But uh, it's just funny you say a blackout in the middle of New York, and uh, in fact, not to uh, a couple of weeks back or maybe a month back, I remember there being something in the city too where uh, a couple of places lost power and it was really really cold. Um, I think it actually happened too out out in the Midwest a little bit as well. So. Um, just to, you know, put some current events or topics as as to what it is that you're working on. Uh, this is all very, very practical. And it's not like I don't have to worry about it because it's, you know, it's never going to be my problem. That's kind of the mindset where people get into and it ends up being their problem. So if somebody wants to uh, make sure they're prepared, what are some actions they could take maybe right now or today or uh, maybe by the weekend? to at least give themselves, uh, you know, a good start, just something really simple to put together to get themselves started? Yeah, awesome. Great question. Uh, I mean, this kind of relates a little bit to some of the other topics that you guys chat about on Scanner School, but uh, emergency communications, I think, is such a key one that people don't often think about. It's actually interesting. I was just reading an article the other day, I think it was in the New York Times, about the, uh, the campfire uh, fire out on the West Coast this year. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about one small municipality or county alone had 35 missing people during the fire. And can you imagine, like, last minute you get a call, someone knocks on your door, says, hey, you have to get out of here now. Um, and you're, you're heading out the door. But what if your kids aren't home yet? Um, what if your husband, your wife is on the other side of town when this happens? And you're in an emergency, so cell lines might not be working. So I've just left home. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea where my significant other is, where my kids are, and I've got no phone uh, to get in touch with each other. Uh, It's the kind of scenario very few people think about, but it's happened to literally probably thousands of people this year on the West Coast of Canada in the States because of the wildfires. Uh, And there's a host of other things that could cause uh, modern kind of communications to fall down on you. So I would say one of the, the most important things that people could do, and you could literally do this week with no money, is actually just to have some basic emergency communication plans in place. Um, you know, a couple of examples would be like, so if, if we find ourselves in that evacuation scenario, so we can't return home, where are we going to meet? Or I could even pull that back. You know, I like thinking about layers to uh, meeting places. And the first one that we learned in public school growing up is like, where's your meeting place outside of your house if there's a house fire, right? Exactly. Um, It makes sense. But how many people have actually talked about that and talked about it with their kids? Uh, It'd be terrifying to have a house fire. You go out the front door and your significant other goes out the back and then you don't realize that. And then you go back in looking for them uh, and you end up perishing when they were actually in the backyard, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, so level one would be where's a spot outside of our house that we're going to meet if there's a fire. Level two would be where's there a spot in my community that we'll meet if we can't go home for whatever reason. Uh, level three would be where's a spot outside of our community. What if something's affected our entire neighborhood? So whether that's a, a massive you know, chain of fires uh, that are burning down multiple buildings, maybe it's some sort of chemical spill. Uh, who knows? You know, there's a million scenarios that you can come up with. But if your whole neighborhood is impacted, where are we going to meet that's maybe a couple kilometers away? 
And that way, if you end up in one of those scenarios where you know your community is in some sort of disaster scenario, the phone lines aren't working, you can't get a hold of your significant other, you already know where you're going to meet up and how you're going to get back together again. So I think that's a, that's a huge tool right there that it's literally just a conversation after dinner, right? That's exactly right. In fact, that's a good point because you're right, though. I mean, I remember growing up and it was we, we would meet out by the uh, the bush on the corner of the yard. That's where we would meet if we had a problem in the house and we had to get outside. But that's where planning stopped. We didn't say, well, where are we going to meet if we had to leave the block or the neighborhood or, you know, mm. th- this area. So um, another great one to think about there is uh, is to have a contact person outside of town, right? Because okay. you could have the local bandwidth could be completely jammed because so many calls are being made at once. But you might be able to get through to somebody, say, in the next city over, the next province over, right? Um, so imagine things are kind of chaotic where you are. You're not able to get a hold of your significant other. You you call your auntie in, you know, the next state over and say, hey, have you heard from uh, my wife? And auntie says, yeah, yeah, I just heard from her five minutes. This is where she is. Imagine the relief that would be, right? Yes. Yep. All, all good stuff. So uh what else within communications? I guess now we're talking about using phone lines or everything else. Uh, what other types of communications would you recommend somebody having in a disaster? Well, having something where you can pick up the, the weather band is essential, right? Um, mm-hmm. So just to be able to get weather emergency alerts and stuff like that. So, I mean, people here that have scanners probably are able to do that and know a fair bit about it already. Uh, but for folks that don't know anything about that, you know, just um, – an emergency like hand crank radio that has the weather band stations programmed in. I'd say that's a really big one. Um, another great one to think about is like who will check in on who. So I think about it. Maybe you've got parents that are, say, a couple of blocks over or maybe they're on the other side of town. And imagine let's use an ice storm for a scenario, for example. Let's say a massive ice storm goes down, a uh, big sheet of ice across everything. Uh, you don't know when the power is going to be back up again. And if you've got older parents, you're inevitably probably going to want to go check on them and make sure they're okay. And the scenario that I can think of, imagine you head out to go see your parents and you're already in a a landscape that's more dangerous than usual. But what if your parents head out to come to you and you guys miss each other en route? Then you get to your parents' house and they're not there. Now you're even more terrified. They get to your house, you're not there. Uh, So just setting up ahead of time, if there's people that you would inevitably check in on uh, to say, hey, who's coming to who and what kind of situation would warrant that? Uh, And then maybe an agreed upon place with them of like where you would leave a note for each other. So if you go to your parents' house, and your parents actually went to go hunker with the neighbors down the street. They've actually left a note there for you. Um, and, you know, you're, you're not doing this with everybody. Pick a couple, like, kind of key people that you would really be thinking about a lot. And, and just have a couple plans in place for, for what you would do and how you would pass on information and leaving a paper trail. And I just think that could alleviate a ton of stress and panic and potentially prevent people from putting themselves into more danger uh, than they need to. If you're out frantically searching for someone uh, when you could have left a message somewhere or had a plan of where to meet up. Good advice. I like that. So I never really thought of that one either. So all, all good advice. You can tell you've you've been doing this for a while. Um I like the idea too. You said the hand crank radio because I know I did a podcast a while back, and uh, I'll refer to this in the show notes as far as what the session was. But I did go through what kinds of radios that I would recommend. One of them being uh, it did have a hand crank on it, and I like those because you don't have to worry about batteries. That's one less thing to worry about as far as making sure that they're constantly charged. Um, and a radio too that's got a solar, a little bit of a solar array on it, so you can charge it up with the sun. But the hand crank is great because you just you know give it you know turn the dial a couple times. And that charges up the radio enough where you can actually pick up weather band, uh, local AM radio stations, FM radio stations, and at least it's some way of getting information from you know outside of your area again, 
uh, from a news source back into you so you know what is going on. So um, I think you've you've mentioned it before when we were talking before the uh, the the interview process, but you know making sure that you have something off the internet, something that's off of you know away from the internet, away from your iPad, away from your phone, that you can still get information from, and um, uh, that'll help you out in a situation like this as well. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, another good thing if I was to throw down came kind of one more quick little tip here. We could yes. talk about this all night, but. Uh, would be knowing what your official emergency channels are as well, right? So, for example, um, where I live, you know, we have probably a dozen different radio stations around here, but only one of them has been selected by our municipality of the people they'll be passing the official information on. And if you go to our municipality website, it says, in the event of a disaster, tune into this radio station. Now, this is probably a smaller disaster if that radio station is working. Obviously, in a bigger disaster, that radio station might be down as well, right? Right. Um, but amongst all the noise, it's just nice to know where that kind of official information is coming from. Or even, for example, like if, if you do have Wi-Fi service still, uh, what's the official Twitter station or the official Twitter hashtag that your emergency services are going to be using? Because there's going to be so many rumors floating around on social media and people panicking. And if you know what the official station is, it just helps you kind of cut through the noise and the rumors and get that important information that you need. Right. And yeah, one of the worst places to get your information from is like those Facebook mothers groups, because a lot of the rumors, <laughs> they run through there like, like yeah. really like wildfire. So uh, no pun intended with that one. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, people kind of, you know, they, they take things for, for uh, gospel when they see them on the internet, that it must be true. I read it on Facebook. So uh, it makes a lot of sense, yes, to know ahead of time what the official hashtag will be or the, the Twitter account. So if you have um, your local municipality's OEM or Office of Emergency Management, uh, the no local weather or NOAA, Red, uh, NOAA weather radio feed. And then also, too, there's um, like amateur meteorologists or weather buffs that like to give their two cents. And they'll jump on social media and they'll start giving what they think is what's going on when really you should be ignoring that and going with the uh, official channels for your information. So it's good to also know that ahead of time. And even, too, we can do on Twitter is you can make up a, a list and just follow that list so you're not sitting there trying to weed through all of the nonsense and all of the rumors, uh, and you can look at your list and just get the official uh, mm -hmm. disaster list, you can call it. And even, too, you might be able to find somebody else already set up a list and they've made it public, and you can just take their list and... Uh, and use that on your Twitter as well. So I think that will, uh, that would help as well. Hopefully. Yeah. Twitter's actually, it's funny. I very rarely use Twitter except when there's some sort of major weather event going on. Uh, and as, so where I'm in Ontario, uh, Canada and our hashtag is ON storm. Now all kinds of people use it beyond emergency services, but it's great. You know, whenever there's a tornado or any significant event, everybody's posting their pictures in mm. ON storm. So it's kind of neat to be able to just skim that hashtag and get little pictures of what's going on all over the place, reports what's happening with the weather, the power, uh, people's different pictures, you know, videos of tornadoes and chairs blowing across. And so it's, it's actually kind of fun during a storm just to be able to scan that almost like you would a, a scanner radio, you know? Yep. Now, have you uh, used any other smartphone apps, maybe like um, uh, like Zillow or something like that to uh, do crowdsourcing or just listen into what's going on either inside or outside of uh, an affected area? Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of apps that I've uh, played around with. Now I haven't really used Zello as a as like a scanner app or to to tune in like that, but I I'm a big fan of it for emergency communications. I'm, I'd imagine you're somewhat familiar about how that was used during like Hurricane Irma and Harvey. Yes, uh, people were setting up like grassroots rescue uh, networks and stuff. It was it was actually really amazing, and it sounds like it literally saved lives. 
Um, but recently, my wife was actually down in Mexico on vacation, and we set up the Zello between us because we knew that the um, her, her signal would likely be spotty down there. Okay. Uh, and Zello's got some really neat features. Um, one thing, um, and you know, I'd have to double check some of my facts on these, but from my understanding of it, uh, if you put a message into the Zello app, so it's like a walkie-talkie app, and you can push a button and record a little audio or send a text, mm-hmm. uh, but it'll actually sit there even if you don't have enough bandwidth at the time. And the second it hits a signal with enough bandwidth, it'll just send it out. So oh, I really? love that if you're actually on the move. Um, you can throw in your message and even though you don't have a signal in that moment, I can stick my phone in my pocket, uh, be on the move. And hopefully whenever my phone hits that signal, it's going to now pass it on. Right. Which that's really practical if you're in a scenario where you're moving quick. Um, mm-hmm. cause you might not remember to send that message. I also like that it records like a, a history of the messages. So if you have a group set up on Zello and you're communicating between multiple different family members, um, to just the fact that there's a written record. Cause again, people, another thing people often don't think about in disaster situations, uh, is we expect our minds to be working like they are on a day-to-day basis. And we might say, Oh, well, I know that stuff already, or I'd remember to do that. But imagine suddenly like you don't know where your kids are and you're dehydrated and there's all this chaos and you're getting conflicting information. Your mind isn't working like it does normally. Uh, your memory is not going to be as well, uh, working as well. So anything we can do to just kind of like automate things or build redundancy into things is really useful. Uh, So I like the ability to like go back through that Zello thread and actually check and say, okay, what did they actually say versus even a phone call where you might have already forgot a little piece of detail, right? Right. Um, Oh, but where I was going with the the Mexico story there. So my wife went down to Mexico. I was a little bit concerned about her safety down there. uh, And we weren't sure how much, uh, what of a signal that she would have. So she was actually sending me her location periodically as she was traveling and going out on trips and stuff, just so I had an idea of where she was. And then we were just sending little messages back and forth. And interesting enough, I've got an earthquake app on my phone. um, And they had an earthquake happen out on the ocean there. um, And there was a tsunami, um, what's the first level of it? Tsunami uh, information statement. So there wasn't actually a risk of a tsunami. Um, but it was along a fault line there where theoretically, if it was stronger, it could have formed one. And I was instantly able to get a hold of her on Zello and just say, Hey, a uh, tsunami information statement was just released. Uh, do you know where the highest point is near you right now? Like, where would you go? And literally we had this quick little discussion and she figured out really quickly, um, where she would actually go if there was a tsunami warning in where her location, I was actually able to pull it up on Google and I was looking at the elevation lines. And, uh, so Zello was actually really helpful for us just in some emergency preparedness there, especially with the earthquake threat. Right. I mean, I mean, it's luckily nothing, nothing happened. Uh, and your wife was, was safe with that one, I assume. Uh, but I like the fact that you just said that, uh, Zello does allow for the queuing. So if you, have a message for somebody and then it will wait until you have a decent signal in order to send it. And again, you know, Zello is a data app on your smartphone. And I talked about Zello in two, a couple podcasts back. So it'll be uh, scannerschool.com slash session 62. I talked a bunch of, about a bunch of smartphone apps, Zello being one of them. And I talked basically about it being uh, for people who put their scanners online. You can listen to them almost real time. But going back to what you said with Zello is, uh, I know with the last hurricane we had coming through here, or, or Superstorm Sandy, I work for AT&T, and I work in with the cell sites, and we lost a ton of cell sites here due to either the antennas being blown off or power outage or the flooding. So service wasn't what it was used to, you know, what we were used to having out here. And there was a lot of dead spots that were normally 
really decent spots. And in fact, I know I have a couple of, of friends and coworkers that were actually evacuated because they had waist high water coming up, you know, in their front door. So imagine that, right? It's flooding. Your home is now flooded. Your whole village is flooded. You're on basically you're on a barrier beach where you have the ocean to the south and the bay to the north. <laughs> so you're kind of surrounded now by water and the cell site's out and you're out of power. So I think something like that, Zello, I mean, Zello wouldn't have been the first thing you would have grabbed for, but at least you could have, let, have left a message for his kids that were off the island saying, hey, you know, the house is flooding. We're still okay. We'll be in touch in a bit. And then they could have left that, you know, message in there. And then when they finally got cell service or if they got evacuated, they wouldn't have to worry about sending a message right away that it would have been queued up and ready to go. And then they could have been in touch later on, at, at, you know, when they settled in, wherever it was, either at a shelter or at the Red Cross. Yeah, location A that we pre-planned during our emergency communication plan meeting. Yep, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, You also talked about, too, you had some uh, earthquake app you use. What other kind of apps do you use on your smartphone uh, when it comes to communicating? Uh, I don't use much else for communicating. I mean, Zello is kind of the main one there. Um, Most of the other ones are more for just getting information. So, Gotcha. Um, and then I wanted to loop back around too, because when you talked about how you were uh, contracted out to work for the, was it the emergency management offices or as a specialist in that, I believe you said, yep. um, what type of communications normally would you use on the job or during training that, uh, maybe somebody that has a scanner radio may want to listen. I mean, I know here we have several groups that run out of OEM or our office of emergency management. We have the local OEM, we have, um, you know, the fire departments work off of that. We have our CERT team, which is the uh, Civilian Emergency Response Team, is all under OEM. Uh, Plus, you have other departments and and all that stuff that are separate but still communicate back to OEM. Uh, What kind of activity could somebody expect to be able to hear on the radio, uh, (laughs) either during a drill or during an actual event? Sure. Well, well, during a drill, you're probably not going to love my answer here, but you'll, I'm sure you'll appreciate the reasoning behind it. We actually usually use actual uh, hardwired phone lines uh, that are cut off from the rest of the world. Uh, so we have someone come in and, and basically wire up a little phone mock phone setup because we don't want we're, – we're basically acting out a mock scenario, right? So you can imagine I did a drill uh, last spring where we were up in this municipality that has a, a number of mines that have big tailing ponds. Uh, And the worry was if there was an earthquake and one of the tailing pond walls was to breach, you could have tailings water flooding into the community. So imagine we're doing this exercise and uh, where somebody comes across on a scanner and here's this little piece about how the tailings pond had just been breached and there was massive flooding expected. uh, And then all of a sudden, room starts off, right? Mm -hmm. So we actually make sure when we're running those drills that there isn't really a way to listen in on them uh, for, for, for the sake of not creating rumors or anything like that, right? Gotcha. So we we kind of, we kind of set up private systems for for doing them, uh, and even then, whenever you make a phone call, because we have like kind of like a mock, we'll have like uh, your emergency operations center, and then we'll have uh, like your kind of field command center or your incident command center set up, and then we'll also have the municipality set up, uh, and we're basically kind of conducting this fake emergency. So whenever anyone makes a call between stations, they actually start by saying exercise, 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 and then saying their piece as well, just to build in a little bit extra redundancy. Because the last thing we'd want to do is create real panic uh, and potentially create a real emergency when we're we're testing to mitigate against the the opposite of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, we do. Uh, when I was with uh, the local radio club here with the Aries doing the drills, that's always what we'd start off with. You know, this is a drill, and then it would be the message, or this is a drill, and whatever. But to, to show you, too, how it works the opposite way, 
the, when the fire department's out here, when they do their drilling, you know, it's always a surprise. They don't really let the membership know that they're going to do some training today. And they'll come across like it's an actual fire, house fire or actual rescue just to get people, you know, motivated to get out of bed at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning and, and leave to get to the firehouse and do their thing. But I'll watch like the groups uh, on GroupMe and all that. And people are, are reacting to what's going on in the scanner like it's an actual emergency. And it's not until, you know, people start showing up and then like five to ten minutes into the, the actual exercise, then it's okay, this is a this is a drill. And then, oh, interesting. And then they're all of a sudden, okay, you know, this was just a drill. It's not an actual house fire. It's not a commercial fire. It's not a, you know, a car into a building. So, um, you know, I think they do that too. And again, it's different no matter where you go type of thing. But I think locally here, they they do it to make it as real as possible for the volunteer because a volunteer, not all the time, will know it, it's a drill or not. Um, but a lot of times they do have drills in-house they train for, but, um, just to, you know, prove your point that, you know, when people listen to on the radio and it sounds like it's real and nobody's saying that it's a drill, you're right. That's how panic happens. That's how rumors start. That's how things get out of control. And, uh, that's how it ends up on the Facebook moms group. (laughs) So, So, all right. But what about, um, the second part of the question that I, um, I want to go back to that too. Is what about during an actual real live event? What kind of radio transmissions could um, you know somebody in, with a scanner be expected to hear, or if anything, would they expect to hear um, you know from the uh, command center? Yeah, I mean that's not really my my area of expertise, so I'm not really sure. I know a lot of like the EMS around here. It really depends. A lot of them actually use encrypted stations for communicating on. Um, but I think it really depends from one municipality to the next. And my guess is it might be uh, fairly different up here in Ontario uh, than it is down where, where you folks are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, not really being a, an expert in scanner radio myself, uh, I, I can't really answer that super clearly for you. Okay. Um, I mean, I know down here when we had uh, Superstorm Sandy roll through, I mean, Nassau County, the, the OEM was, was very involved with coordinating. Um, I was listening to my the adjacent county. Uh, Suffolk County, with their, they call it the EOC, or the Office of Emergency Center, or whatever they call it. Yeah, Emergency Operations Center. Right, right. And, yeah. um, you know, Suffolk County's uh, EOC, or uh, they kept saying, you know, get people off of Fire Island. That this, they have, you got to tell them to leave. And they come back, nope, these people want to stay. And then, they, they, you know, EOC would come back going, well, you tell them they have an hour. And then they come back, nope, still don't, they, you know, they still don't want to leave. So EOC says, tell them this is their last chance that they have to leave now. So that's it. You know, they, 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 the people don't leave. And then you hear an hour later, oh, somebody wants to evacuate. And then you hear EOC going, well, it's too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, you, you hear a lot of that before the storm. But after the yeah. storm, there's a lot of communication going on because, you know, the EOC or the OEM will be the central hub. So there's a lot of activity on that one. But we had the National Guard come in. We had FEMA come in. You know, the, the, the low-flying helicopters that come in formation that you never want to see flying over your neighborhood. So there is a lot of activity and there's a lot of stuff going on that you can pick up on a scanner radio. And I've said on previous podcasts that I think that having a scanner is really great to have either in your go kit or part of your emergency preparedness, uh, you know, whatever it is that you, you carry around or where you shelter and all that kind of stuff and at least have something that you know how to use. Don't just buy it and, and put it in a corner and then worry about it up front of the day. It's something you want to, I mean, and people who are listening to this podcast, they use their scanners, right? So they're, they know how the things work on them, but 
during a disaster, it's not the time to try to figure out what your local police channels are or what your local fire or your EMS or your, or your OEM are. But um, it, it's it's always interesting to know, to be able to listen to what's going on outside of your four walls and know what's going on. So you can get your information from the news uh, if you're able to listen to something real time on a scanner, listen to amateur radio, listen to GMRS, even scanning, scanning around the FRES frequencies and CB, just knowing what's going on in your own backyard. Um, I think that helps during a disaster to at least know what your neighbors are going through or what the next, you know, uh, next town over is, is, is going on. Or, you know, maybe things look bad where you are, but they're not bad, you know, five miles away. Whereas when I went through Superstorm standing over here, we didn't lose any trees. We didn't lose anything. I walked outside and I'm like, this was a dud of a storm. But yet my parents had flooding in their house. Uh, coworkers were losing their homes as well and were being evacuated. So uh, it's all relative to where you are. So it's it's very interesting that, you know, your eyes tell you one story, but you can listen to, you can listen to a whole lot more. But um, I want to go into also, you know, what it is that you have going on now. If people want to learn more about disaster and or, or surviving a disaster and preparing themselves, uh, you've come up with something that is very interesting. And um, I'm excited really to have you on. Really is why I have you here is to talk about your new project. So why don't you go ahead and uh, awesome. talk about what it is that you've been working on pretty hard for the last, we, we've been talking since, trading email since January and it's already March. So, I mean, at least for, for the last three months, I know you've been putting the final touches on this project. So um, I'm, I'm happy to see for you that you're, you're actually launching it and uh, very happy that you've been spending the last uh, 20 or so minutes discussing this with me. So, um, you know, why don't you explain to everybody else what, uh, what it is you have up your sleeve right now? Great. Yeah. Well, even to create a little bridge from our last conversation to, to the question that you just asked there, you know, uh, we often make assumptions and you know how many people might have a scanner radio, uh, but they don't actually use it on a regular basis. And then a disaster scanner happens where they actually need it and they don't really know what they're doing with it. Um, and I got to be uh, admit a little bit uh, with scanners. I'm a little bit guilty of that. I've got a Baofeng radio. Uh, I have done a little bit of scanning, but I got to start listening to your podcast uh, and learn to use it a little bit better. But the same goes with all the other aspects of emergency preparedness. You know, people assume like if I had to leave my house quickly, oh, I know what I'd grab, right? But they haven't necessarily taken into consideration the amount of stress they'll be in, uh, maybe if they're missing a family member at the time and all those other variables going on. So what we've done is a lot of people know they should be super prepared, but until you get a really rude awakening and it's kind of too late, you know, like people that got caught in the wildfires this year or in some of the hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, people often have a really hard time prioritizing putting time into emergency preparedness and thinking ahead a little bit. So what I decided to do is to create a course that made it really, really easy and really practical and it got results really, really fast. So I've been working almost for a year and a half now on creating this course called Survive the Storms. And it, technically it's an e-course, but you know, a lot of people, when they think e-course, you think about like a boring talking head kind of reciting information to you. Uh, and what I think of this is almost more like an online video game where you're the character in real life. And it's meant for families, it's meant for everyday folks to help them get results quick. So how it's kind of laid out is it's a seven-day course, and each day we've actually recorded a mock newscast. So well, the news anchor comes on and basically tells you that the storm of the century is coming your way and gives you a bunch of you know kind of raw data on what's happening with the storm. And then the survival expert comes on and basically says, hey, you've got 24 hours till this next stage of the stone comes in, this is what you need to get done. And then you're given some challenges that you work on over the next 24 hours. 
So you watch the video one evening and then you go to work the next day, uh, but you're kind of playing out this storm scenario in your head. And in the over the course of the, the program, we actually help you create uh, an emergency family communications plan. So basically addressing all the stuff that you and I were talking about in the first part of the conversation and a whole lot more. We help families actually build a communication plan for what they would do if the phones are down, the Internet's down, they need to get critical information. Uh, we help people make basic emergency kits. So in that California wildfire scenario where you have to leave home fast, uh, you're ready to go with that and you've got a good kit if you need to hunker down like imagine power is going to be out for the next two weeks uh maybe it's minus temperatures uh maybe it's an ice storm who knows what the stereo is we help people know what to to put in their kits uh we get into what to do when you actually hunker down and it's really interesting you know some of the stuff that was pretty common when i'm when i was growing up to know about um i'm finding more often when i'm teaching workshops people don't know anymore like for example i was doing a workshop a couple of weeks ago an emergency disaster survival workshop and I asked the group, like, hey, where, where can you get water from in your house in an emergency? And not one person thought that you could actually go to your hot water tank and open the tap on the bottom, uh, and you've got water there even with the power out, right? See, I uh, would have thought that the toilet tank. <laughs> so. Sure, yeah, well, that, that one did actually come up, sure yeah. enough, the, the back part, right? Not the front part. Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dif- different, different plumbing systems going on there. Uh, or segmented plumbing systems anyways. Yep. But, you know, not one person thought to go to the water tank. You know, we also talk about, like, you know, does everyone in your household know how to turn off the gas, turn off the water, turn off the propane? Mm-hmm. And what I find commonly is, like, one person in the house knows how to do that, but the kids don't know how to do that. The significant other doesn't know how to do that. Uh, but what if the one person that knows how to do that isn't home when the scenario happens, right? Um, so the course kind of walks people through uh, just all these kind of common sense things. Um, from there, we get into some survival skills. So we talk about after the storm, uh, what if you run out of your emergency water stash or it gets contaminated? You know, how, what are other ways to get and purify water? What are some of the things you need to think about? Uh, we talk about pre-storm uh, hygiene, which is often overlooked. Uh, I don't know if you've been following any of the research, but with the, uh, the flooding in Texas uh, during Hurricane Harvey, uh, it's amazing uh, over a year later how many people are still ill. Um, and it's potentially linked to being in contact with contaminated floodwaters during the storm, right? Oh, wow. And Im- you can imagine during the storm, you're, all you're thinking about is saving your granddaughter or your child or, or your wife or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not even thinking about moving through the floodwaters. You're just doing what you need to do to not drown uh, and to get out of there. But then imagine, you know, you're sick for months and months afterwards. And then you realize that you got whether who knows what it is, you know, whether it's a parasite or a chemical exposure or whatever from the floodwaters itself. So in the course, we actually dive into, you know, how do you protect yourself, health and hygiene in a post-disaster scenario? Um, So we do all kinds of fun stuff like that, but it's meant to be done in a really kind of fun, gamified way. So you can literally do it with your family. You watch a 20-minute video in the evening, and then you've got some challenges to do over the next 24 hours. And after seven days, you can feel a lot more confident and have some peace of mind uh, knowing that you've actually got some plans in place, you know? That's That was one of the questions I actually had for you, too. So you said... At the end, it, you you take the course of seven days. You don't have to spend all twenty four hours though going through this the, the material. It's how long is actually each module, and then I mean, obviously you spend the rest of the time thinking about it. Uh, how much time do you actually spend in front of the computer uh, going through each module? So in front of the computer, very little time. You watch a twenty minute video, and then there's a workbook that comes with it that has some additional resources. So there's a little bit of reading to do, and then you're actually giving given a task. And most of the tasks aren't in front of the computer. And I'd say on average, they're going to take about forty five minutes to sixty minutes. 
So to reference like the emergency communications day in the storm survival one, you watch the 20 minute video, but then you sit down with your family and we basically provide you a template to fill out your emergency communications plan. And that includes, you know, the location place ABC, like we talked about and the out of town contact person, but then it has a whole bunch of more layers to that as well. Um, so generally you're talking about like a, a 15 to 20 minute video and then an exercise that's going to take you 45 minutes to an hour. Um, some of them like getting the emergency kits together, you're going to kind of work on that over a series of, of a few days. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, on average, say an hour a day. So most people spend more time on Netflix or Facebook than what this course is actually going to do, uh, which I would think, you know, which one's a bigger priority, family safety or one more uh, Netflix episode. Right. And it's only for one week, right? Exactly. And it doesn't sound like it's, I mean, you say it's about an hour, really a day working on the material. So it's, it's less than a, a day of work. If you look at it that way, um, I think, I think you've set up something here because it's just even talking to you about it. And, uh, I've been to the website already and looked at some of the preview videos and I am looking forward to actually taking the course myself and, uh, and sharing it with family members. So I think you've done an outstanding job putting this together. So, yeah. And it's meant to be fun too, you know, cause you know, if you're going to get into preparedness stuff, uh, it's gotta be something that you actually enjoy to actually justify, uh, putting the time into it for a lot of people. Right. right. So this, taking the course should actually be kind of like watching a movie on Netflix, you know, it's, it's entertaining, uh, it's engaging, but it's also got a real practical purpose uh, involved in it as well. Right. This isn't like the trap of training where you go outside and you go into the, into the woods and you learn how to eat berries and which berries are right and which ones are wrong. I mean, this is, this is, you know, uh, it's a little bit different than you know being stuck in the woods this is practical being in your home being in your neighborhood and uh getting prepared for the exact right situation that that you would probably be in uh, yeah and we play time. we use a hurricane like storm of the century as the theme but don't get too hung up on like the hurricane because really we're doing foundational stuff so this would apply to wildfires it apply to tornadoes it would apply to ice storms or aspects of it would anyways you know there's principles of preparedness that kind of go across all of those uh disciplines in professional emergency management, we call it all an all hazards approach. So we kind of take an all hazards approach, and really what we're doing is helping you build a, a foundation and do some of the most important things in a seven day period. So then you're really set up. Uh, and then obviously, if people want to go deeper with it, there's so much more you can get into. Excellent. So if somebody wants to sign up for it, how would they do so? Uh, so I think you've got a link posted on your website, do you not? Yeah, I do. So there'll be um, a link in the show notes. And also you can go to just scannerschool.com slash STS, that's Sierra, Tango, Sierra. And that's just the abbreviation for surviving the storm, right? That's or survive the storms. And um, that will be our affiliate link to get into the training course. And uh, let us know too, when there were, when's the enrollment period and uh, what happens after that? Well, depending on when people are listening to this, we're, our initial enrollment period is going to open up on March 26, 2019, uh, and we're opening till April 7th, and then we're actually going to close the course because I really want to be super involved with the first group of students that go through. I'm really excited to just really pour myself into it, and then we'll probably reopen it later in May. So it will be open year-round eventually, but this first, uh, this first round is just going to be March 26 till April 7th with the course starting on April 8th. 
Uh, I'll also mention too, so if somebody's like, oh, well, that week of April 8th doesn't work for me, you get lifetime access. So I say seven days, but you can do it at your own pace. You know, if it takes you, if you want to do it another week, that's fine. If it takes you a month or two months or an entire year to go through the content, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I do encourage people to try to do it really quickly so that they don't forget about it though. And so they actually get the results that they signed up for. Right. And also good too, you have lifetime access. You can actually refresh yourself on it. So if you decide it's been six months or a year and they want to go through the course again, I mean, they have lifetime access to it so they can retake it. And yeah, there's a ton of bonus content in there as well, too. I link to all kinds of videos, articles. I mean, the workbook that I wrote for it is, is over 100 pages long. Uh, and you're probably not going to read that whole workbook in the seven days. So it's got info for you to, to kind of dive into for weeks to months to come to keep learning if you want to. And if you just want to do the seven-day blast, bare minimum, you're still going to come out of it with a whole new sense of confidence uh, that you're prepared if uh, the weather takes a turn for the worst or you're caught off guard. Excellent. So again, like you said, you know, the, the, the open enrollment window, the, the opportunity to buy uh, the training course that runs from March 26, 2019 to April 7th, 2019. Uh, they can sign up then, but they can take it at any time they want after that. So it's not like that's just the window when they have to be in class. You got um, it. And also you have a secondary one that's coming up probably in May of this year. And yeah, then, so if you're listening to this podcast and it's after those dates, mm-hmm. go and check the link anyways because it might be reopened again by then. Right. right. And if not, mm-hmm. you'll have a waiting list, right? Or email list. Yeah, you so got it. Yeah, for it. List, so. so again, they can go to uh, scannerschool.com slash STS for survive the storms, right? It's called survive the storms. You got it. Survive okay. the storms. Excellent. So uh, like I said, I went through some of the, the previous stuff. You were, you were uh, nice enough to send me a couple of uh, preview videos. I went through that and um, I am going to sign up on March 26 myself and take this and definitely share it with my family. And uh, I know for a fact my parents will, will probably take this course as well. Um, and uh, I'll be sharing it on basically with anybody who will listen. <laughs> so if anybody is is looking at my Twitter feed or my Facebook feed, you know, for Scanner School, you'll see the, uh, the links for this on there as well, um, as well as some of the other communities I'm in. But um, what else do you... Uh, do you have anything left to share with anybody else or we want to move about the, what the course has or, um, you know, the floor well, is still I mean, yours. If, if, if people are more interested in some of the other stuff that I get into, you know, I referenced how I like bridging uh, my knowledge of wilderness survival and ecology with my professional experience in emergency preparedness as well as my interest in self-reliance. So you can check out my blog, changingworldproject.com or check out Changing World Project on YouTube. I have a whole series of uh, videos out there um, actually, if you want a refresher on what we started talking, my latest blog post is actually how to communicate with your family during a disaster if separated. So that's on the blog there. So lots of great free content over at the changingworldproject.com website there. Excellent. And I was actually just going to ask you that too, where we can find you on, on the internet and also on YouTube. Cause I, I was actually just on your YouTube channel before this conversation. I made sure I subscribed and, uh, watched a couple of videos too so you have some pretty good communication video i saw one while you guys were uh exchanging uh, information about the bow fang and the frs stuff and and all that stuff so even though you talk about was a canadian tire um oh yeah right you can i mean you could buy these radios anywhere i mean again the podcast is global and i'm sure your training class of course is global as well well so it's not just for the canadian market this is for you know anybody who worldwide wants to take the course um 
and uh, again, you can find the FRS radios or, or depending where you are too, you know, in, in Australia, the band plan is different than the United States. So where we use CB on 27 megahertz and, and FRS and GMRS on UHF, their CB is UHF. So it's, it's the same, but different, you know, everybody's got the same kind of radios, uh, but they, they're just in different places in different parts of the world. So um, I think that, the 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 point of what you were saying in the one video where you have the radios and and you're looking at how to how to uh you know what to do with them and uh going back to where I was talking about to with the Canadian tire and getting the FRS and GMRS radios yeah there may not be a Canadian tire in the UK but you may still have uh you know whatever it is that your Walmart is or Target or or uh, the sporting actually even a sporting good place would have sure, yeah. the FRS or GMRS outdoor shops exactly. Um, yeah. even Amazon. I mean, I, I love Amazon, so, uh, they would definitely have it as well. So, uh, definitely are places besides Canadian tire <laughs> to, <laughs> to make sure you get the, uh, the two way radios. Hey, so. I'm just thinking, did I, ha- did I happen to send you the audio track to go with the first lesson? Cause I know I sent you the video to go with lesson one, the, uh, the situational awareness and the think like a survivalist ex- uh, no, episode. I, I don't believe I have the audio track for that. Okay. I'll, I'll just mention that. That's kind of fun. So with the, the very first lesson, so the first lesson is called think like a survivalist. Uh, and it's really just about like the brain patterning of how to look at the landscape from a, a resource and hazard perspective. It's a, it's a real fun one there. We kind of reference Jason Bourne and the hunger games and uh, situational awareness and stuff. But I actually made an audio track that goes along with it that you put on your phone uh, and then you go downtown in your community and you listen to it. And it actually kind of walks you through how to kind of scan the landscape. Like a scanner radio would scan for information Mm -hmm. related to the emergency. It teaches you to scan and think in context of hazards, shelter, water, fire, food, uh, basically being able to improv and adapt. It's kind of a a fun one in there in the course. So I'll have to send that one around to you or along to you as well. Yeah, that sounds pretty neat. So yeah, it actually puts you right then and there. I guess it would be, you know, look, look over here for that. Look over here for this. You got it. Even like which way, what direction do the satellites in your area face, you know, to be able to tell which way north is, you know, Ah, Uh, if a hailstorm happened right now or a tornado came and you're downtown, where would you hunker down? Where's the safest place? If uh, civil unrest broke out, you know, where would be your best place to get out of there? So it just like gets your mind thinking a little bit differently as you move through. And I've had some really good feedback from our beta testers uh, around how fun that exercise has been to kind of to kick off the course there. So. Nice. It's it's actually funny you say the satellite dishes because um, when I was growing up, it was always find out which direction the TV antennas are pointed. Right? <laughs> right. They, they always pointed west towards New York City, but you had to know which was the front end and which was the back end of the TV antenna to know which way was <laughs> which way was west. Awesome. So, yep. but uh, yeah, that's actually pretty funny. So. Yeah, that's why I like to say too, like, you know, a lot of people when they think e-course, they think just like a boring talking head giving you information, but we've really tried our best to make this really fun, engaging, entertaining. So you've got like the audio track that you listen to and the live newscasts and, you know, you'll get little email updates throughout the day telling you what's happening with the storm just to really kind of gamify and make the whole thing uh, really fun and engaging. And at the end of the day, the more engaging I make it, the more likely people are to finish it uh, and get the results. And that's what I'm all about, you know, is actually helping people get these results and saving lives. Right. So. And you talk too about e-courses and all that stuff too. I mean, again, you were saying, you know, people think about e-courses and being a, a talking head. You and I met in an e-course as well that, uh, you know, we have Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income. And uh, I'm not sure, I took all of his courses. So I'm not sure which one it was that you were in, but we ended up in the same uh, community together. And um, you get more than just, you know, a course out of it. Sometimes you get, you know, a community, you get, you may find somebody who's taking it that's close to you. Um, in our case, you know, we're in two different countries, but we both were in the same, the same group. 
and uh, it can show you too how small of a world it is. So um, yeah, there's know. a community aspect built into uh, the Survive the Storms course as well too. We're, we'll have a robust community network where you can come and ask questions, where you can meet other students. Uh, there's going to be an area in there for actually networking with people in your area. So if other people are there, you can do some planning together. Uh, so the community aspect is built in, and that's a huge piece of emergency preparedness as well, right? Uh, right. Actual community capacity building. Right. And in the very last lesson, uh, lesson seven, we actually get into uh, community capacity building a little bit as well, you know, and how do you support your neighbors and, and work together with your local community? Very cool. So it sounds like you have, you've thought of everything when it comes to this. I mean, like I said, you spent a year and a half putting it together. So this isn't uh, something that you, that you just did in a weekend. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited. Like I said, we, I've been going back and forth with emails with you since January. Uh, it's now March. So, uh, and, and you spent three months just finishing it up and, and, and you, from what I've seen so far, um, this is a very polished, uh, very professional product and, uh, I'm happy to be an affiliate and, uh, hopefully I'll, uh, be able to point some people your direction and, and help you out and, and in turn help out, you know, uh, everybody else that I refer to it just by, you know, helping them be prepared and, and, and making right decisions and everything else. So, um, saving lives in the end as well. So I think, awesome. uh, I, I really do think this is a, an awesome course. Uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to being able to sign up for it myself and share it with my family. And, um, I really do wish you the best of luck with it. And, uh, I'm hoping you f hope for a lot of success and, uh, hope to see you in one of Pat's groups again. And, and, uh, you'll, you'll be saying how well your launch was and everything else. So, um, you know, I, th I think that uh, that uh, you've uh, you've definitely filled a void, you know, because most people think of of preparing, and they have to get involved with a, you know, they have to go to a, a course like a cert course, and that that means they have to make time for it, or they have to get involved with a prepper group, which means they have to make time for that as well. When you do an e course, it's on your time, so it makes it a whole lot easier to be able to schedule this in. Like if you know, I we put our five year old to bed every night, that's an hour. I mean that's time where I could be sitting there and taking this course while while she's going to bed. So I think that you've done a really great job at making sure people are able to to take this course when they need to and uh, get the most out of it. Yeah, well, that's the thing with preparedness is it's got to be practical, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's got to be stuff that actually fits in the reality of our lives. At the end of the day, I know my mortgage is due at the end of the month, and I'm probably not going to have a major disaster. So it's easy right. to prioritize the mortgage. But then if the disaster comes and you're caught off guard, uh, it's devastating. So designing the course, I really thought a lot about how do I make this practical when people are already super busy. Right, right. All right. So where else can uh, people find you? So you have... Uh... And we'll link to this all in the show notes as well. So you have your website, which is, again... Um, Changingworldproject.com. Okay. And then the address for the, again, the the, um, the course will be scannerschool.com slash STS. You're also on YouTube. Where where can they find you on YouTube? Uh, I, I, if you just search Changing World Project, I'm the first okay. one that comes up there. So Okay. And then any other social media outlets that they can find you at? Uh, we do have a Facebook group, the, the Changing World Project Facebook group that's pretty active. So people are welcome to come on over there and post articles and join in the, the greater conversation. Uh, okay. Those would probably be the main ones. I mean, I'm on Pinterest and stuff like that as well. But Excellent. And, but if somebody's got a question about the, the, the training and all that stuff too, what's the best way they can reach out to you and, oh, sure. and get Fire more information? Me. Yeah, fire me an email, chris at changingworldproject.com would be a great place to reach me or jump on the uh, the Facebook group, the Changing World Project Facebook group, and uh, you could ask the question there as well. Excellent. Well, Chris, I want to 
Thank you so much for being a guest tonight. I know we went a bit, little, little, little bit longer than we expected to, but it's all it's all good. I think we had a lot of good information here, and um, I want to wish you again good luck with the product launch with the course, and uh, I'll see you in the uh, the first round of, uh, of signups. So sounds great. Yeah, and uh, I think you got another follower for Scanner School, so uh, I need to get my uh, my game up a little bit on that one too. So excellent. So it's a win win. <laughs> it, it certainly is. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to have you come over and be a guest on one of the uh, the YouTube uh, videos that I do. We oh, could yeah. do it remotely through Zoom or something. And yeah. You could I, intro I'd love to that. Uh, scanning. Yep. So that'd be great. I'd love that. All right. Chris. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate right. it. Great you conversation. Got it. You got it. Thanks again. Okay. Cheers. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Chris. And again, I want to thank Chris for taking the time out and talking with you on not only how you can help survive the storms, but also about his brand new training course. So again, if you do want to start with this course, we do have the affiliate link, which means we'll earn a very small commission if you use this link to purchase one of Chris's courses. The link is scannerschool.com STS. Basically, it's the initials for Survive the Storm or Sierra Tango Sierra, scannerschool.com slash STS. Now, again, this was the special link that we alluded to at the very beginning of this podcast. So, again, if you can't remember scannerschool.com slash STS, you can always go to the session notes of this podcast on a website. Or if you're listening to this on your smartphone, just click on the information tab on the podcast and the link will also show up on your smart device. So if you're listening to this podcast as it comes out on March 26, 2019, you can get a little bit of a discount on the course. Okay. If you're listening to this in the future, the discount may or may not still be there, but you could always sign up. Even if the course is closed for new enrollees, you can still put your name on the waiting list. And when the time is right, you'll be able to sign up for the course as well. Now, again, I'm going to be taking this course as soon as it comes out. As Chris says, it's a seven-day course, but it only takes about 30 minutes a night for you to go through materials and learn, right? It's all done from the computer. You can take the course with you. He's got a great training guide that goes along with the course, so it's not like you're just going to sit and watch a video. You'll have some homework to do, and it will help you get prepared. Even if you never need it, it's good to know that you have something in place that you can fall back on. And even if they say a storm is coming or it's going to now be tornado season again, or, you know, maybe you know that, you know, like I said, our hurricane is, is barreling up the coast. You can always go back at any time and retake the training to refresh yourself so that you are ready for when you need it. So again, before we wrap up, I want to thank our Patreon supporters, Scott Vorder, Craig Harper, Brian Southworth, Dan, James Felling, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, M.T. Bono, Mark Beebe, Ribbon Hill, and William Arcan. You can help support Scanner School by becoming a Patreon supporter by visiting scannerschool.com slash support. You can donate a dollar a month or anything above that. At the $5 tier, though, you'll get these podcasts as soon as they are ready. So instead of waiting for Tuesday, you'll get this podcast earlier in the week or maybe later in the week prior. I don't know. It's whenever these things publish. If you want to support Scanner School in other ways, maybe you're an Amazon shopper. Maybe you're looking for some software by Butel. You're looking for a new scanner from Scanner Master. Or you're just an Amazon shopper like I am. You can go to scannerschool.com support, and you'll find other ways you can help support the Scanner School project. So again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. This is Scanner School, where we teach you everything you know about the scanner radio hobby. Scanner School's copyright 2019, Monitor Long Island, Inc. Again, if you're looking for the session notes, you can go to scannerschool.com session 66. And finally, the link 
Our link for Survive the Storms is scannerschool.com slash STS. For those of you who are signing up and taking the training, we'll see you in class. 73, everyone.